dude. Just like you pull in and you just get spit right out of them. Well, here we are, the Carver Week 2, 2017. Harrow and Silky on the desk. How are you, mate? Yeah, it's good to be back. We had a big show last week, but, mate, I'm really excited about today's show. Got a couple of special guests from over your side of the uh, the bridge, mate. A couple of QBC boys, I believe. Yeah, mate. We've got Tony and George Pitter from uh, the Eritab Beach Resort in Vanuatu, and uh, good to have you here today, boys. Oh, it's a pleasure. Good to it's be a, here. Yeah, it's an honour. Well, mate, tell us, you, you're a suit. Tony Pitter. Now, hold on, hold on. You gave him a bit more of an intro than that. Come on, Tony. <laughs> That's it. I'm a Mate, suit. That's it. Done. No, listen, you, you've had done the perfect sea change. For the people who listen to this podcast, you know, mostly, dare say, 30, 30 plus. You worked in, in the corporate world for a number of years, yeah. and, and then you decided to toss it in and build a surf resort or a resort in Vanuatu. Mate, give us the story. Yeah, that's exactly right. Look, um, I've done the 20 years in the suit, the university thing, going to work in the city, nine to five. Uh, Monday to Friday, sitting there in the room, looking around, going, don't feel like I need to be here. I don't want to be here, but had to do the hard yards. And um, yeah, it was just simply as time went on, I just figured this this can't be all that life's about. You know, there's <laughs> got to be more to life than this. And, um, you know, I, it was a question of trying to work out what to do. And it was, it was about thinking, what are all the things I love to do in life? Travel, um, I like meeting people. Um, I actually enjoy um, dealing with Indigenous people, you know, and I felt like uh, I needed kind of all of that in a life and uh, the only thing I could think of doing was a resort offshore. How did you find that your place in Vanuatu? Was there a, did you have a, a list, maybe Fiji or Tonga or was it how, how was, what was the process? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a big part of it because uh, location is everything yeah. in this game. And uh, I spent, honestly, six or seven years looking for the right place. And that was um, taking time out from work, uh, using up all my annual leave to jump on a plane and go and research these places. Um, It was, I checked out, uh, I went to some ridiculous places. I don't know what I was thinking, honestly. Um, I went to Fiji. That was one of them, but that was more towards the end of the journey. I started out in the Marshall Islands. I went to Kiribati. I went to the Federated States of Micronesia, Ponape. Um, I went to Tonga and I was looking for just something a little, little bit different. And this, these are in the, this was the late 90s and um, back then flights were easy to come by. The airline industry was growing exponentially. Uh, all these remote places were becoming, uh, you know, plausible basically. Uh, whereas before it had just been you had to be close to major networks. And uh, so I thought, okay, I'm going to go further afield and be the first guy to set up a place somewhere wild, and that's what I did. But then September 11 came along, 2001, yeah. and uh, that really changed everything. All these regional airlines collapsed or uh, restricted their flights, and so all these outer-lying islands that I was thinking of doing stuff in um, became not an option. It ended up like being on the moon. And so that was a real eye-opener for me. So I thought, okay, well, if we're going to do this and we're going to do something uh, a bit wilder, we need to do it wild but near a hub. Yep. You know, it can't just be miles and miles away. So anyway, in the end, it just came down to literally walking past Dimmicks in Pitt Street there one day with a suit and tie on. I felt like I checked out every island in the world and saw up on the Lonely Planet books Vanuatu. And I thought, hey, what's what's that all about? I don't know why I'd skip that. I don't know what, what that was all about. But looked it up, saw it had a multitude of islands and then started researching it. And literally 
um, got a map out uh, of, of the islands and looked at this particular place that I ended up and uh, there was a village nearby called Eratap. That's the name of the village and that's the only word that was on the map. So I typed that into Google. I typed in literally land for sale Eratap and scrolled through the page and there was this terrible website that had land for sale in Eratap. I had no idea where it was or what it was like. And to cut a long story short, went over there, took the kids. George was two and a half, three at the time. Um, and my older boy was four and, and Louise, my wife, and we all went over there, had a look at the land and thought, let's do it. Great yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, mate, it's, just, it's just the perfect story. <laughs> and, and you've been there 11 years. Yeah. Mate, and uh, it hasn't been all cocktails by the pool and, and <laughs> surfing reef breaks. There have been a couple of hurdles to get over. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, look. Anything worthwhile doing is going to have difficulties along the way, and that certainly had a, has its fair share, and still and still does to this day. And uh, we've yeah, it's 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 been an enormous journey, uh, a really challenging one, uh, with heaps of difficulties involved. But um, gee, it it's something I'm never going to forget for a long, long time. And uh, uh, yeah, it's it's when you're dealing in a third world country and you're trying to create a first world product, yep. it's a real challenge. And when that product's got to be open 365 days a year, 24-7, um, in, a, in a country and in an, on an island where really they don't want to, you know, they want to be only working a few hours a day and health's not good, education's not good, then it's a real challenge. Yeah, Melanesian, is that right, Vanuatu? Correct, yep. So culturally, there have got to be a few differences. Can you share a story about coming to grips with the Melanesian culture? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, um, for starters, I'd have to say that probably our, our greatest asset are, are our people. You know, the people of Vanuatu are extraordinary. You know, given the hardship and the way they live, um, it's so difficult. That, but they're, they're smiling every day and they're happy every day. But they're not used to what we're used to, you know. They're not grown up. They haven't been brought up with you know, um, cocktails by the pool and, you know... TV. TV, even, <laughs> yeah. Creme brulees, you know, and all these, you know, all these crazy things that we expect everyone to know about, they don't know about. So there is a lot of training and a lot of work involved and there's language differences, of course. Um, so most of them speak Bislama, not English, although they've learned a lot of it now. But um, you have to learn that language and you have to communicate that and try and let them know... Um, what these white people sitting in that resort want. And, and I dare say you've had to learn a little bit more about patience too. Yeah, crucial. Yeah, without <laughs> patience, you're, you're gone. Yeah, well, you're mate, out the back Talking door. about patience, young George. Sitting yeah, let's bring him in. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm <laughs> gas bag. The Gromit, mate, you've had the uh, dream start to the year. You won the Surfer Armour event on the weekend on the Northern yeah. Beaches. And <laughs> earlier in January, you won uh, the Rip Curl Grom Search National Final in the under-14s. So, mate, congratulations there, and uh, it's been a big start to the year. Well, um, thank you very much, and, uh, like, probably the best start to the year that I've ever had. I was so incredible. I couldn't, like, when it happened, I just couldn't even believe it. And to get that Sephiroth win, like, straight after, I just still can't believe it. And also to have those incredible waves in Vanuatu straight after the national final. Good. Living the dream, mate. Well, tell, yeah, us, tell about, us Yeah, yeah. I, I'm curious to know, as a you know, you were only a baby when your dad kind of packed you up and took you over. Yeah. What was it like growing up in Vanuatu? Like, you would have had to go to school there, I imagine. Yeah. And how was that? It was pretty incredible. Like, I couldn't really, like, explain it. Like, it's so different to us here. And, like, over there, it's, there's, like, our whole year in the whole year was, like, 25 people. 
And like over here, when I came back, there was like five classes of like 30 people each. And I was just so amazed. And then over there, like it's it's got a different schedule. Like start school at 7.30 in the morning, finish at 1.30. And I don't know. It's just, it's like pretty much the opposite side of the world when you like come back here from Vanuatu. And tell me about the waves over there, mate. You, you've grown up surfing reef I don't boats. think you're going to tell us everything. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of secrets for sure. But, yeah. mate, you um pretty much had never done a closeout Rio until you came and lived in Manly because of how good the waves were over there. So tell us, mate, how did you adapt and how did you find that coming to surf beach breaks, especially learning how to compete in beach breaks? Yeah, well, over, the, over there, like, the waves are just so structured. It's just, like, every wave is just, like, just a right-hand point back pretty much. And, like, coming back here, it's just, like, the waves, everywhere's moving, there's rips happening. Like, you'll paddle out and you've already moved, like, 100 metres down the beach and, like, you're not in the spot that you want to be. And I just could not work out how to do it. Like, it honestly took me, like, four months. What about the crowds? You would have been used to yeah. pulling out your surf with your old man. That's yeah. true. How was that? Well, but for both of you. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was honestly losing my mind when I came back here. Like, everyone, everyone's just hassling me, going Wave scabbing. Like, I was, I was like, just chill out, guys. And then, <laughs> like, uh, like, over there, you just sit there, get any wave you want. And then when you come back here, everyone's just on a mission. Yeah. yeah, over there you're so getting barreled. Over here, getting dropped in on. Yeah. <laughs> mate, tell us about the swell direction and how consistent it is in the trade yeah. winds, and when's the best time to hit Aerotap Beach Resort? Um, yeah, it's it's really hard to pinpoint a, a precise time because uh, you can get great waves any month of the year and terrible waves any month of the year. It's um, the 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 biggest problem up there is the trade winds because most of our main waves face southeast or east southeast so that it does go pretty badly onshore when it's blowing a trade but trade winds only occur in the winter months right so may through to say july august um so that can be an issue but again those trade winds vary year on year in year out um and if you haven't got a big trade wind year then you're going to get plenty of swell during the winter months and not many trades but i still find that um those so every single southerly change we get here in Sydney uh, will push on through up to Vanuatu and you'll get some sort of swell out of a southerly change. So a southerly change is still occurring through our summer months, but during the summer months up there, there's no trade winds. So Speaking of our summer months, you know, cyclone season, yep. it's just around the corner. Yep. I know there was a pretty bad cyclone up uh, in Vanuatu a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Does, that, does it open up some more spots to surf in, in that time of the year? Yeah, certainly um, during the cyclone seasons, we'll have little lows forming all around the Pacific that aren't in the, new, the usual spot. So we'll get um, a different direction of swell, which can affect certain reefs up there. Because yes, all the main southerly swells that Fiji get are blocked by New Caledonia. Right. Um, well, when I say blocked, they're not completely blocked. They're just of a lesser size. So cloud rate might be eight to 10 foot and we're two to three foot, which is still super fun. Um, and... But in the cyclone season, yeah, we get easterly swells, we get northerly swells. But if a cyclone's too close to the island, you're, it's game over. It's shut down. And, yeah, we did have Category 5 Cyclone Pam in March 2015. Mm -hmm. And that was not something I ever want to go through again. Yeah, it was really terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It really decimated the place, actually. Yeah. So what, did you have to do some rebuilding? Like, was it wiped out? Like, how bad was the extent? Yeah, well, they're, they're calling it the... Um, uh, second worst cyclone in the history of the southern hemisphere wow. and uh it 
we had average wind speeds hitting the resort of 306 kilometres an hour for about Shit, five man. hours. And, uh, yeah, we had to evacuate the whole coast the whole coast because they were expecting, well, they said 20-metre um, storm surge. We actually got 8-metre storm surge over the east side of the island. Um, and, yeah, pretty well everyone got destroyed. We got really hammered. Uh, we had to close, but we built really quickly and were able to reopen in a couple of months. So it was a, it was a, a really big eye-opener and it's, um, it's a scary night that night when a Cat 5's going through yeah, <laughs> your yeah. place, yeah. Yeah, like um, Dad in the morning, because we, we were actually really scared overnight when it was happening because we knew it was going to be big. And Dad just like rang us, and we like it was, we were, when we saw the phone, we were like, "Oh, this is good that he's not dead," because <laughs> like he like he's, he said he just like woke up in the morning and just like looked out, and everything was just flat, and he's like he thought that pretty much everyone was going to be dead. No, de- definitely, you're, you're dead right, George. It was felt it felt like um, it did look like one of those scenes out of a war movie. Mate, back to the resort. Yeah. Not only do we can you go surfing there, plenty of fishing, no doubt. Yeah, bit of kayaking, you know, for the people listening, mate. Yeah, give it, give us the rundown. Yeah, how many does it take? Um, yeah, we, we're Eritat Beach Resort, and we're a thirty-minute uh, drive from the airport, uh, twenty minutes from the capital of Port Vila. Um, we're down the southeast coast, and uh, yeah, we're on a peninsula. So the good thing about this peninsula is, on one side is the surf side, the other side is lagoon. So we're able to offer surfing. And then kayaking and boating and snorkeling is incredible. A big thing about Vanuatu is the quality of reef that's close to the shore. So to get exceptional reef, you're not travelling for miles and miles out to sea. You're literally walking out your front door and being able to snorkel in that. So um, I call, I say to, you know, a bit of a mantra for our resort is get remote quickly. Yep. And that's what you're doing in Vanuatu. You're not having to travel miles to get that remote experience because it's undeveloped. Yep. It's a three and a half hour flight direct from Sydney. And then a 30-minute drive to Aerotap and you are in the middle of nowhere. And how do we book a trip there, mate? Um, you want to send me the details. <laughs> <laughs> no, just uh, go on the website, Aerotap Beach Resort, and just click on um, book or contact reservations yeah. and we'll sort you out. Like my friends at George school, will answer it. they like come up to me and they're just like, oh, did you live in Fiji? Like no one even knows where it is. Like, And I'm just like, no one lives in Vanuatu. And then I have to like show them on a map because... They're just like never even heard of it. Well, mate, you've just it's dropped true. your own uh, surf clip this week of actually some vision of you surfing up there. So yeah. no doubt everyone's going to know how good this, these waves are when they watch this video of you this week. Yeah, I've made a few friends from that <laughs> because people have been wanting to come to Vanuatu. So we just got the most incredible waves. I took my friend Tian to Vanuatu and we're just like nonstop, like eight days, just pumping waves, wave after wave. And... On, I think it was the Sunday. The Sunday, we just had just like barrel after barrel. I don't think, I think I got 11 barrels in a row. Like, it was just non stop. And I don't know, like, my dad was filming and my brother and stuff were filming because we needed to get the footage. Because, like, we had to show everyone how good it was. <laughs> You're on awesome. the carve up. Okay, well, via Skype this week, we've got Swellnet's. Forecaster Craig Brokenshay, how you going, mate? How you going, guys? All right. Pretty well, mate. It's been a bit of a uh, slow week in the wave department. Oh, it's, has it ever? It's just this summer just keeps dragging on with not much happening, eh? Well, mate, tell us, is there anything coming for this weekend? What's the weekend swell forecast looking like? The weekend up Queensland is a little better than last week. You know, it's kind of two foot building to two to three on Sunday. 
besides the early morning, the winds are just going to kick in and kill it. Um, Sydney again, 2-4, looking, you know, south swell building into Sunday afternoon, but, you know, with sea breezes. Probably the pick of the whole country is Victoria. Probably go for a little, you could go a double session, go Saturday morning surf coast, three foot and offshore. And then on the morning to peninsula, Sunday morning, four to five foot, some solid beaches to get at. Well, mate, sounds like Vico is the place to be. What about South Oz and WA? So South Oz, uh, South Coast Middleton will be saying kind of three, four and clean Saturday morning, a little bit smaller Sunday. And WA, it's just Perth flat and then kind of two to three foot margs and not the best wind. So, yeah, T- Tassie will have a little southeast swell on Sunday as well. You can get out there on Sunday morning, get a um, two, two to maybe three foot on the east coast. But besides that, Victoria's the go. Yeah, listen, I just want to know, what about the long range, mate? Because it's been about a month since there's been any decent swell <laughs> oh. on the east coast. Is there anything long range? Not Sydney, not much. Up on the Goldie, they're going to get a bit of trade swell, but it's like three foot with the odd four foot set. It'll be consistent all next week, and winds will go more kind of southeast, so the points will be right. But, um, yeah, it's nothing big yet. They're still kind of with, waiting for something to brew up. All right, mate. Well, uh, thanks for that. And the peak of the week, oh, going to matter on Sunday. And, uh, mate. Yeah, surf Cup Saturday morning. Yeah, mate. Thanks for uh, dialing in. Sweet. Cheers, guys. Catch up. See ya. There you go. Our resident surf forecaster, Craig Rogan-Shay. You're on the carve-up. Back in a sec. Okay, well, we're back on the carve-up, and it's time to talk a little bit WSL contest. Silky, Vulcan Pipe Pro's on hold over there in Hawaii, but uh, only Amwart take out the flight centre Burley Pro on the weekend in small, tough conditions. Well, we were just saying on the break there, you know, it's a, it's a big deal for the Indo surfers to uh, leave the, the holy shores of Indo and surf, close out surf and all the rest of it. But, yeah, he rips the guy. I've seen him surf Changu and pretty hot surfer. I believe he's living up in Queensland now. Is that right? Yeah, mate, he's been based at uh, Palm Beach there on the Goldie and he's part of the, the Palmy Army. He serves for them and their board riders club. So well done to Oni taking out Kalani Ball. Second in the event, he backs up his uh, second that he got down at Maruba. And George, tell us, mate, surfing in those small, tricky conditions, it's uh, very tough. What, what sort of training are you doing to prepare yourself for the, the grind of the QS that you'll be on in the next couple of years, but surfing against all your mates on the northern beaches at the moment? Yeah, well, it's, it's really good. Like, everyone on the northern beaches rips. And, like, it's probably one of the strongest regions. And the training that I do is mostly, like, Bo Mitchell, like, once a week, and, like, a few months before the contest is coming up. And then when it starts getting cl- closer to the contest day, I, like, start doing more, like, training with my dad. And he just, like, tells me what I'm doing wrong because he's, like, harsher because he knows, like, I'll have to cough it if I'm not surfing well. <laughs> so that's, well, that's good. Hey, I'm definitely not a soccer dad. <laughs> yeah, Tony, we had um, Jamie and uh, Coda Kalorn on a, a few episodes back. And Jamie was saying, you know, he does a lot of the filming. Do you do you have do you film much of George? And how do you break it down? Like, do you just watch him surf and then talk about certain ways? How how do you coach him? Um, yeah, well, look, I've I, I, got to firstly say I'm not an expert at this in any way, shape, or form. I'm just sort of learning on the fly and understand learning stuff from Bo Mitchell and other people, other coaches involved out there. But I think the biggest thing is that as I know George and how he's thinking and how he's feeling and I've watched him surf so many waves over his life so I know when he's slightly out on something and I'll sort of say to him, hey, do you feel like this is happening to you? And he goes, yeah, it feels a bit weird. And I go, well, why don't you, why don't you just adjust that? 
Um, if it's really going wrong, is this because because it's he's only a kid and it's just a junior time, and we've got the, the, you know at the moment it's all about getting your technique right and right and having fun. And um, if you can master that technique, then that's good. And so sometimes video is really important to slow it down and show that the technique's out. Other than Vanuatu, boys, where have you guys been? You've been to Hawaii. Tell us a few of your trips you've been on. Well, we went to Hawaii a few years ago. I think we were still living in Vanuatu, but we haven't been there since. I was going to go in April this year, but uh, that trip kind of got cancelled because we had the regionals on. And we've been to we went to Indo a few months ago. How was that? It was so good, but like Indo, sometimes just getting too crowded now, like it's a bit of a struggle. And then when we went to Vanuatu, like you pretty much get like similar waves with nobody out. So you're selling it, eh? Yeah. You're selling it. <laughs> wow. Well, tell us, mate. The uh, WSL Quicksilver Pros. Not far off, about a month away. Who who do you uh, think's going to go pretty good this year? And out of the rookies. Ethan Ewing, Conor O'Leary, Leo. What's your take on all those guys taking on the big guns? Well, they're for like I feel like the rookies that are coming up have just been like better and better each year, and like I feel like the the like legends, the older guys, they're like they're still ripping, but I feel like they're kind of burning out a bit, and then the rookies are just coming on strong, and I reckon the probably my main pick for best rookie of the year is probably Ethan Ewing. Probably a lot of people say that, but I don't know. Like every heat throughout this year has just been so consistent and like just non-stop getting like at least like a 14 total and like just been, that's like his first year at the QS and he's already qualified second. Yeah. And then Con O'Leary, like I know he's been doing it for a fair while, but like he, I saw him surfing one time at Maroubra and like I couldn't even comprehend. Like he was so good. <laughs> wow. Big, big rap there for Conor O'Leary. But, mate, who's your pick for the world title this year? Oh, that's a big call. But I I think I'll have to see the quickie pro this year and say that. But I don't reckon it'll be one of the rookies because that's pretty incredible. But I think Mick. Like yeah, if Mick. He, yeah, if he, like, Whoa, if he wow. really... I've got one for you. I don't know who's going to win the world title. I'm going to tip Julian Wilson to win the first event. Oh, all right. Okay. I think I, he's okay. my he's my man. I don't know what price he is. We'll have to yeah. give a shout out to our friends at Lab Breaks. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I reckon Julian Wilson will win the first event there. Wow. Well, mate, that's uh, not a bad pick. I I think Geordie Smith's going to have a big year. I think um, he had a, he had a good season in Hawaii and he's fit. So I think Geordie's going to be there at the end of the year. But one thing that I'm really looking forward to is seeing how John John backs up because yeah. it's been so long since someone's been able to win back to back world titles yeah. and. I think what's in his advantage is he won the world title in Europe and it was so long ago, whereas every other year, or not every other year, but the last couple of years, it's come down the pipe and it's been dramatic and it takes so much out of those guys and then it's Christmas and before you know it, you're competing again. So it would be interesting to see if John John can back it up this year in 2017. If I, if I had to pick one early, and it pains me to say it, but I've got to go with Brazilian, Philippe Toledo. Oh, what? Oh, yeah. I don't reckon he can surf big. No, no, I, I'm, I'm saying all win the, the title. All the way. I think it's just so yeah. much depends on the on the conditions. You yeah, know? yeah, like so. Totally. And he's look, he's he's surfing better each year. I feel he, he seems oh, to be yeah, getting yeah, quicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His air game's yeah. getting stronger, yeah. and he's getting a bit more powerful too. Yeah, so from when he first bigger. started, so yeah, yeah, he's probably filling out. Yeah. So yeah. he's my he's, he's my turning team. more into Gabriel um, Medina. Yeah. <laughs> 
We'll so Tone, Tone, we don't mention that name on this show. <laughs> Tone, who do you think for, for, the, for the Quickie Pro or the world title? Yeah, Quickie Pro, I mean, Toledo is amazing. Um, he's got that twitch, hasn't he? And, he, and if it's small and, and racy, he's, he's always going to be in it. And then, um, well, Mick knows that way better than anyone. I don't know what he's, he's doing, but uh, I think for the, for the world title, look, Gabe Medina has got to be in the mix. He's just a phenomenal competitor. And John, John, and then if the waves are really good in the in the big destinations, your Fiji, Taupu, um, then Kelly, let's not discount him. Yeah. And I really want to know what Aaron Wright's doing because he's one. So of happy he's back on the. He's oh, my should, favorite. Should a shout out Mate, that's great news, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, really he, happy. He is just incredible, yeah. sir, for that guy. And it's going to be really. I really, really hope he's back on yeah. and in yeah. form. Boys, it's been great having you in. Really enjoyed oh, it's it. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank yeah, thanks for having us. George, good luck this year, mate. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. I hope Queen's does well. And Tone, I'm going to just slip my phone number in your, in yeah, your hand, mate, and uh, problem, looking mate. for a trip down the track. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I'll, I'll have a nice Mai Tai ready for you, mate. <laughs> good on you guys. That's it for another episode of The Carve Up. See you all next week. Thanks, Harry. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Dude, just like you pull in and you just get spit right out of them.